Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. You've probably met some people who won't receive the gospel no matter what you do, right? In today's message, Pastor J.D. is prepared to speak the truth and love to all those that have ears to hear. No agent of darkness can hide from the light that Pastor J.D. has to share with you today to expose the works of darkness. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on October 29th, 2023. Today's update is one for which those with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church are more likely to receive. And this because I will speak the truth in love, and because of love. And this after spending time with the Lord in His Word, specifically in the aforementioned second letter of John. For the benefit of those who haven't been with us for our verse-by-verse study through Second John, what we're finding is that it's all about the truth in love. Last week we tackled the first three verses of Second John chapter 1, and I want you to listen to what John wrote by the Holy Spirit in verse 3, Second John chapter 1. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. I point this out because John, who's affectionately referred to as the apostle of love, due to him writing about love more than any other New Testament author, could also be referred to as the apostle of truth as well. And this by virtue of the fact that he uses the word truth more than any other New Testament author. One has noted that John uses the word truth no less than 20 times in the Gospel of John, nine times in 1 John, five times in 2 John, and five more times in 3 John. Now, this begs the question of why. And for that answer, we need look no further than the Scriptures, which are replete with passage after passage concerning 
the truth in love. And this for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that to speak truth without love, well that makes one harsh. And conversely, to have love without speaking truth, well that makes one dishonest. It's for this reason that truth is not truth without love, and neither is love love without truth. Thus the paramount importance of speaking the truth in love, perhaps more importantly because of love. Isn't it true that we will speak the truth to those whom we love? If we don't love them, why would we bother speaking truth to them? The wounds of a friend are faithful when they speak the hard truth to you because they love you. Contrasted in the Proverbs with the enemy who just multiplies kisses. In other words, only tells you what you want to hear, which is not the truth. But they don't want to tell you the truth, and they are no friend, by the way. In fact, they're your enemy. If you're really my friend and you really love me, you'll speak truth to me. If you don't love me or care about me, then you're not going to bother to speak the truth to me because you love yourself more. So you want me to still like you, so you're just going to tell me what my ears are itching to hear. It is a friend who will speak the truth in love. The Apostle Paul echoes this in Ephesians 4.15 where he writes, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. So this speaking the truth in love and because of love would then stand to reason that it would comport with Bible passages and Bible prophecies concerning Jesus, imagine that, the Bible being about Jesus, not only being the Spirit of truth, which is why we must worship Him in spirit and truth, but so too is Jesus the Spirit of prophecy. You know where I'm going with this, right? Can I read John 4, verses 23 and 24? Here's John, much earlier, younger in his life, inspired by the Holy Spirit to record and write and author the gospel. Verse 23, but the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father, and here it is, in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Revelation 19 verses 9 and 10. By the way, same author, a lot older now. 
This is John writing inspired by the Holy Spirit when he receives the revelation there on the island of Patmos. He writes, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Can't wait. And he added, These are the true words, true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to, listen, the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Are you still with me? I hope so, because we have a problem. The problem is, we have a problem. And the problem we have is, when we attempt to speak the truth in love, more often than not, it's rejected. And in large part, it's because of the perfect storm of spiritual pride, cognitive dissonance, and demonic deception. May I just parenthetically say and humbly ask that you just hear my heart, please? Because I just want to share my heart with you, if you'll kindly allow me to. I want to expound on this with this list of six reasons as to why the truth in love is rejected, with the seventh on the list being the only hope of the truth in love being accepted. I'll go through these briefly, if you'll again kindly just hear me out. Number one. Any presentation of documentation contrary to one's long-held beliefs is likely to serve as a reinforcement of a deep-seated bias and fuel an already present cognitive dissonance. Number two, any effort to persist in speaking the truth in love will usually be met with a policing of that which is said under the banner of spiritual pride, which fancies oneself as being the final arbiter of truth. Number three, any extensive research proving said truth presented in love won't matter. Because the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter to the one who has already made up their mind. Number four, any continued defense, hang on to that word, in speaking the truth in love has the propensity to trap you in the fear of men as you find yourself having to defend yourself, trapping you by always having to answer to them. Because after all now, they are the ones that you dance to the beat of their drum. 
because they put you on the defensive, posturing themselves as the final arbiter of truth, they'll decide. And now you have to defend yourself and you have to answer to them. That's called the fear of man, and that's the trap. Number five, any resolve as sanctified as it may be in your unwillingness to ever water down the truth or ever soften up the truth will oftentimes be met with a vile viciousness and vitriol. Number six, any attempt to appease and please man will in the end displease God. And conversely, a God-pleaser will never be a man-pleaser. And by the way, you will never please man. However, you can please God. Lastly, thankfully, number seven, any hope of anyone having ears to hear and eyes to see requires that the Holy Spirit do the work of changing their heart and mind. You're not going to change their mind. You're not going to change their heart. The Holy Spirit can do that. You can argue as much as you want. You can present as much documentation as you want. You can prove it beyond any doubt. But in the end, it is only the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit does that. Well, this brings me to what is one of the best examples of this. And you'll forgive me, but it comes by way of an old movie from back in the 1950s. Pictured here is the first of a handful of screenshots from the original movie titled Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's from back in 1956. It should be noted that there was a remake of this movie bearing the same title with Donald Sutherland 22 years later in 1978, both of which are predictive programming films to prepare people for this demonic deception of the last days. The plots are both about aliens abducting humans, then duplicating and inhabiting their bodies. I want to draw your attention to a few excerpts from the transcript of the original 1956 film, which by the way you can watch in its entirety. Don't eat popcorn. It's a weird movie, and I won't ruin the ending. I'll try not to. But I'm sharing this with you for reasons that I hope you'll understand shortly. In this scene, the main character, who has not been captured and inhabited by aliens, says of those who had, their bodies were now hosts harboring an alien form of life a cosmic form which to survive must take over every human man. 
As he runs away from those trying to capture and abduct him, he runs into traffic and starts yelling, help me, please stop, stop, listen to me, listen to me, listen. More people are coming after me, they're not human. Listen to me, we're in danger. The people he tries so desperately to warn about the danger they're in respond by saying, come on, get out of here, go on, get off the street, get out, come on, what's the matter with you? He then manages to get a truck to stop, so he climbs up to the cab trying to warn the truck driver who responds by yelling, come on, you're drunk. Hmm. These men are drunk. You're drunk, get out of here, get out of the street. In this scene, close to the end of the film, he's in a psychiatric ward, and he says, he tries, he tries to explain it, and he realizes and says, you don't believe a word of this, do you? Sure, it's fantastic, but it happened. Don't just sit there measuring me for a straitjacket. Do something. Get on the phone. Call for help. And when he realizes that they think he's crazy, he then puts his head down in his hands and says, Oh, what's the use? Here's what's interesting. In this earlier scene, which takes place back when he's running into the middle of traffic to warn people, none of whom would believe him, those chasing him, who by the way could have caught him and abducted him, but stopped, which is interesting why they stopped. They could have got him, but they let him go. Here's why. Just let him go they'll never believe him. Oh no, it's the truth. And he wants to warn people, obviously he cares about these people who have not yet been abducted and inhabited by these alien demonic forces. How's this for a movie review? You're looking at me going, I thought I came for a prophecy update, not a movie review. You actually got both, no extra charge, two for one. Can you connect the dots with me, please? You got a guy here. This is so crazy. This is so outlandish. It's so unbelievable, but it's the truth. And he wants to warn people because it's coming. It's already here. And he wants to warn them because he cares about them and nobody will believe him. And they know nobody will believe him, which is why they let him go. No, they're going to think he's crazy. Come on, who's going to believe him? Just let them go. They're not going to, come on, think about it. Aliens are going to abduct humans, inhabit their bodies, and take over the human race, so they're no longer human. <laughs> yeah, but what if it's the truth? Here's where I'm going with this. In the spirit of truth and spirit of prophecy, I have to speak the truth in love. And I do so with the understanding that the onus of you believing is not on me. 
as I'm broadcasting the seed of God's prophetic word of truth. The onus is not on me, it's on you, upon the soil of one's heart being both supple and fertile for the seed of God's word of truth to germinate, sprout, and bear fruit. Think parable of the sower as we affectionately refer to it that Jesus taught. The farmer broadcasts the seed upon which soil the seed falls is not on the farmer broadcasting the seed, it's on the soil. And there's only one soil that is supple and fertile when the seed is broadcast on it and to it, that it's able to take root, germinate, sprout, and bear fruit. I only say that because of what follows. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I hope it doesn't come off wrong. Again, I hope you know my heart. The Lord knows my heart when I say this. This is not for those that do not have ears to hear. If you have itching ears to hear only that which you want to hear, then I say this in love, you, you went to the wrong church today. You're tuning into the wrong live stream today. The good news for those who have itching ears to hear only what they want to hear, the good news is you've got a, I mean plethora, a smorgasbord of churches that are at the ready to accommodate and scratch your itching ears. So what follows is the truth in love as a warning of not only what's going to happen, but what's already now beginning to happen. In the interest of time, for the sake of brevity, I'll provide you with just three all of which our amazing team has provided links to the original sources of, for you to do your own research, and also for you to be like the Bereans were, and search the scriptures to see if what I am speaking is the truth. Don't take my word for it. Number one, all the nations on earth have been, are now, and will continue to be deceived by this pharmaceutical final solution. Revelation 18.23, again a prophecy about the fall of Babylon. John is told to write, The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, pharmakia, pharmaceutical, pharmacy, all the nations were deceived. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. 
Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If what Pastor J.D. shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Just scroll to the bottom and click on Calvary. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Thanks for listening in to the Prophecy Update for today. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. The Bible and its prophecies are not to be taken lightly. And so we'll keep digging in on In Spirit and Truth.